Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jenny Rurick. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. I'll sit down with communication experts and professionals across different fields to uncover what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back. We are on episode six of the Speak As Well As You Think podcast. Today, I am joined by Jennifer Alex, who is a vice president and coach here at Vautier Communications. Jen, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Jenny. Good to be here. Today, we're talking about what we call forms of influence. Jen, what are forms of influence? Forms of influence are things that you bring into your message that helps support whatever your recommendation, your proposal, your pitch might be. So these are things that when you share them with your audience, they help convince your audience to see things the way you do or believe what you believe. That's how you start to get that buy-in or support. And they can come from a variety of different places. So you might use things like sharing some type of story to connect with your audience. You can use analogies, which is a great way to take very complex or complicated information and deliver it in in a more easily understood way. They can be things like examples, any type of data that might fall into your statistics, your facts, or more of your numbers side. You can have some type of subject matter expert in. It can be an actual person that excels in that space or using some type of case study or research paper that might demonstrate some type of expertise. Demonstrations are another great way that you can use forms of influence. And then finally, any type of quotes or testimonials from maybe other clients or customers or other folks internally. They can also come from business books, things of that nature. What are if when you, all of those make sense, I know that they can be influential in their own way. Can you share a couple of examples yourself of whom, who or where these forms of influence exist so that we can better understand what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So storytelling, one of my favorite storytellers out there and somebody I would listen to no matter what he shares is Simon Sinek. I think he is an excellent speaker, and while he still has some of that research background, more of his focus is on the storytelling side. So he takes this idea or some type of recommendation or pitch he's trying to make, and he shares it with you in the form of typically multiple different stories that help you understand why you might want to use the recommendation he has. So Simon Sinek is a great place for storytelling. You can just look him up on YouTube or he has multiple different TED Talks out there. Another great place for analogies would be Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's an astrophysicist and probably has one of the most complicated topics that somebody could probably talk about. And he has to take that very complicated information and try and relay it or share that with the general public who most of us are not on that same level of education and understanding. So he does an excellent job of taking very complicated information, 
and delivering it to us using an analogy that would make sense to you and I. Data can come from a variety of different places. Malcolm Gladwell is a business author and he has multiple different books that are out on different topics, but he has a lot of data storytelling that he shares in his book. So a little bit more of that research-based, that's a great place to look for some of those datas with that storytelling spin on it. And then finally, demonstrations, we see these all the time and we might not always think of them in the way of being a forms of influence, but if you've ever gone to a trade show, most booths you go up to have some type of demonstration of the product or service that you might be looking at or potentially interested in buying. Think about it from a different perspective. Every time you go to Costco, especially now post-COVID, our taste testing stations are coming back, but that in itself is a type of demonstration. They want you to buy this new yogurt or snack mix or whatever it might be. What better way to compel a consumer than to actually try it right then and there? And that's the easiest way to get somebody to say that was excellent, put it in their cart, and it's an easy sale. So some of those are a variety of different places that you might be aware of where forms of influence can come from and others that you can now look through that lens of using persuasive forms of evidence that might help you strengthen the message you're sharing. I love those examples and they make it so much more tangible. I even think some about some of the clients that we work with and coaching them on their messaging and presentation skills, specifically those that are in sales roles. Yeah. When they can find a balance between using data to show cost savings over either the short term or long term, and then support them with case studies of other clients that they have that have realized those cost savings that are represented by their financial projections. Yep. And then even sharing real life stories of cost, the experiences their customers have had as a way to influence potential customers to buy that same product or service. Yeah. If any organizations, and that's why testimonials can be such a great thing. It's a way of indirectly selling your product from other people who have bought or experienced your product or service and been happy with that outcome. It creates such an easy sale because it's not just us saying, hey, our product and service is awesome. It's somebody else saying, hey, their product and service is awesome. Yeah. And social proof is one of the, they've determined one to be one of the most influential elements you can use in messaging. Yeah. Of the list that you shared, you shared, you mentioned stories, analogies, using examples, sharing data, referencing expertise, giving a demonstration, or maybe using quotes or testimonials. Which of those is best? So it's not so easy to say, use this or use that. It really depends on who your audience is. And we've talked about this on a couple of other podcasts before, understanding who your audience is. So you really have to think of it through the lens of who you're speaking to on that specific day. Let me give you an example. If you are talking to maybe a group of tech employees or maybe my finance department, they learn better linearly. So more on that data, facts, numbers, that's more where their day-to-day falls. And so that's probably how they understand information and how they talk 
when they communicate with each other. So that might be in my best interest to fall more on those types of forms of influence in a message to them. On the flip side, let's say, as we just talked about, we are talking to a new potential client or customer. While some data might still be helpful, I would say more often than not, things that fall more on the storytelling side, the examples, analogies, are probably a more successful way to connect with those potential buyers as, again, data can do a great job speaking for itself, but when an organization is looking to partner with you, they're probably looking to see what others have said about you and the relationship that they've had and how it can connect and help them in the long run. So maybe more on that storytelling side would be better with that audience. I, what we've seen, a a mistake a lot of professionals make is we tend to communicate using the form of influence that we ourselves Mm -hmm. find most influential. And that's not the most effective way to go about it, because even though that is what convinced us of something that doesn't necessarily mean it's what's going to convince the people we're speaking to, we need to put ourselves in their shoes and ask what's their culture like have I communicated with them before? Do they tend to communicate in more of that numbers or that stories side and then mirror the clues that they've given us as to what they themselves may find most influential? Yeah. And that's spot on. And I always tell people, it's not that you can't reach the same conclusion going the way that I learn best, but it might take twice as long. And why do that to yourself? If I can be more direct, I can speak the language they speak and we can get to a conclusion or get to the point faster, that just makes us more efficient in our communication with each other. And so that's the route I'm always going to recommend people go. What role specifically do forms of influence play in business messaging? I think the biggest one is that it gives you as the speaker credibility. It allows you to show your audience that, hey, I've done my homework. I've thought about what I think is the best possible approach, recommendation, outcome we might have. But then not only is it my opinion, but here are the other things that also help support that. There's something to be said about supporting your idea, both from the positive side, here's what supports it, and then also taking a look at some of those objections that your audience might have and being able to weave those into your message so that that somebody in your audience doesn't throw you off your recommendation. But you can also show that I've thought about alternatives and here's why I still think my recommendation might be the best one. So you can weave in some of those objections as well. We've also talked about in a few of our programs how when you use forms of influence in your own messaging, if the person that you're messaging to has to take that message or that presentation or that idea or suggestion or recommendation internally to sell it in within their own organization, Mm -hmm. the more forms of influence you've provided to them, the better chance they have to be able to sell it internally because you've essentially armed them with evidence to prove this idea and they can pick and choose which evidence they feel is going to be most influential once they take that recommendation or proposal internally to sell it in. Right. And most often when you're selling an idea, 
it's not usually just one person alone that makes the decision. So it might be one person specifically that you're speaking to, but then like you said, there's usually a next step where they go and present that to the buying team or the decision-making team that might have two or three other people. It could have six people on it. And so it, like you said, allows them to take some of the examples or forms of influence you gave and decide based on this audience, which ones are going to be the most compelling for them. If I decide to be more diligent with using forms of influence in my messaging, is there a specific number of forms of influence that works best? So the really easy or straightforward answer to that would be at least two. Two or more forms of influence helps support more than just your opinion. Again, looks like I've done my homework. I've, I've done some research on why else am I suggesting this and how does that help support it? The more complicated answer is that there's not a, a set top end number that is going to make it the most compelling. We always tell our audiences, I want you to give quality forms of influence over quantity. So just because I can pull 12 forms of influence, if some of them are just so-so, or they're a little bit of a stretch to help support my point, they can almost do more harm than good, where it would have been better had I just brought in three or four really strong pieces instead of having 12 where six or seven of them might be a little bit wishy-washy in terms of how they connect or really how strongly they support my recommendation. You're absolutely right. When we overuse forms of influence and we bring in the ones that are weaker, if people can poke holes in any of the forms of influence that we bring, they begin to become more skeptical of our other forms of influence, no matter how strong they felt to begin with, because if yeah. one seems off, they begin to question the validity of the other forms of influence that we brought to the table. Yeah. It can almost feel like, well, this seems too good to be true. So maybe I'm missing something and that's not always the case. And, and I also recommend different forms of influence. So when we talk about having at least two I would try to have maybe one that falls on more of your data side, and then maybe one that's more of a storytelling piece, whether it's a specific story, an analogy, a testimonial, something like that. Again, knowing who your audience is will help you determine what two you might want to go with. But if you can make them different, it will help strengthen what you are sharing as well. Where, if I, if I'm, someone listening to this podcast and I'm buying into this idea that maybe I need to incorporate more stories or case studies, use quotes or analogies, but I don't feel confident in my ability to either source those mm -hmm. or understand which is going to be most effective. Do you have any thoughts on where someone can find more forms of influence? Yeah. And it's, one of the simpler things you can do once you start listening and looking for them, because honestly, they are everywhere. So if we think about some of the things we do on a day-to-day -day basis, some people get up every morning, they read a newspaper, or they have some type of periodical that they come through. It can be your online news apps like The Morning Brew, The Skim, any of those where it's a, a five-minute or less read with links where you can look into more information. Those are full of 
different data points, examples, stories. That's a great place and something that most people are already doing somehow each morning on your morning commute, while you have your breakfast, whatever that might be. Most business professionals are on LinkedIn. People share all sorts of different articles and stories and research papers on LinkedIn all the time. You read through something that you say, wow, that was pretty interesting. Go ahead and save that link. Open up a Word document, put the link in there, and maybe a sentence or two about what that paper or article you just read was about. We can look for any type of internal data within your organization that you might use. Again, case studies and our research papers. You can do a simple Google search. You can ask others in that subject matter expertise if they have any recommendations. And then things like we're doing right now. Podcasts have been an awesome place to pull forms of influence, examples, stories. Business books are another great place to find some of those anecdotes or the data side. And I love even going down to movies that we watch over the weekend. I've heard countless great examples or analogies in Hollywood films that I think can really work nicely and translate when it comes to a business setting. Obviously, they, they have to fit specific information and culture, but another great place that we can pull any types of information. And then obviously your TED Talks is another huge place over the last couple of years. You can even go to your colleagues and people you work with for different specific stories and examples as well. Those are fantastic, wonderful suggestions. Thanks for sharing those. Yeah. To close things out here, I was curious if you had any specific book recommendations related to either understanding the importance of forms of influence, or maybe even books that would support someone developing their confidence or their appreciation for any of the specific forms of influence that we've mentioned today so far. I do have a couple off the top of my head. So Verbal Judo is an awesome book. It's by George Thompson. It's a pretty quick read. Also, that was one of the books we read as a professional development here at Vautier Communications. And our team loved it. And the whole book is about the art of persuasion. So that's a great place to start for some anecdotes, examples, and George is big on the data side as well. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is also another great resource, a little bit thicker and longer book, but again, a lot of great examples, stories, and anecdotes that he pulls in. And then one of my top books that I'll always recommend to most business people because it fits a variety of different types of business communications is Brief by Joseph McCormick. I think it's in itself such an important tool to be able to uh, speak briefly when it comes to business settings, but then he also provides a number of different forms of influence within his book as well. So those are a couple off the top of my head. And I'll add two to that list. One of yeah. my favorites related to storytelling is by Annette Simmons, and it's called Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins. Yep. One of the reasons why I really love the book is because it has a workbook aspect to it where you're actually learning how to build out stories. And I know for a lot of the professionals that we've worked with, storytelling can be intimidating. Yeah. It's not something that most of us have ever been formally taught. 
And that book again is called whoever tells the best story wins. The second book is one I'm about halfway through reading and it's been fantastic. It's called making numbers count Mm -hmm. by Chip Heath and Carla star. Essentially the book says that numbers are one of the most influential forms of influence we can use when messaging, because there's not much to argue with when you're going based off of data. However, hearing numbers is not something many of us are innately good at, or we're not good at translating it into something that's meaningful and relevant to us. The book has incredible suggestions about how you can take numbers and turn them into stories and analogies, which are far more impactful than just simply sharing statistics and data or straight numbers. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a great recommendation. I'll have to put that on my, my reading list because when you can have both that quantitative and qualitative side, you can take that data and create a story around it. Your ability to compel or convince your audience is, is really high. Now we're at the end here, and I'd like to finish off by asking you, if I'm someone listening to this, what can I do now with what you've just told me and all of us about forms of influence? What's something I can take and put into action today or this week? Yep. And we always recommend starting small. And so that's the first thing, as you mentioned right there, doing it today or focusing on this week. My recommendation is from all the list of the forms of influence we just talked through and different places we can find it, think about a formal meeting or talk, presentation, call it whatever you want that you might have this week. And my suggestion is to find at least two forms of influence that support your message and weave those into your talk this week. Practice it out, see how it feels, see what the responses from your audience, and then you can always tweak it or add on to that in the coming weeks for more upcoming messages that you have. But if you can focus short-term first in the next one to two weeks, try and figure out how I can put at least two into more of those formal messages, that'll be a really good start. And then you can continue to build on from there. Will do. I'm going to start working on it. Awesome. Jen, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Jenny. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications, and I am your host, Jenny Rierick. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communications. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website, www.vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Thanks for listening.